If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to the book of James. We're going to continue our study on genuine Christianity. We've been going through this book verse by verse and just learning what uh, it means to have a faith that is genuine, that is real, that is practical, that we can live out uh, through our daily lives. And so James chapter 4 is where we find ourselves. And as you're turning there, I do also want to uh, say it's great to have uh, Mr. Fabian Torres. Uh, he's visiting uh, this weekend uh, down from Houston. Good to have him uh, with us. And then uh, Fabian Vasquez getting getting back and healthy and uh, COVID that last two weeks or so that hit him pretty hard. And uh, it's good to see him back in church. Uh, and then also uh, there in the back, uh, Miss Miranda had uh, outpatient surgery on Tuesday and uh, this past Tuesday, and she is uh, she's here with us this morning. And we are praying for her, and it's good to see uh, that you are on that road recovering, and good to have you here this morning. James chapter number four. We have been talking in this chapter about passion, the passion of our faith. Uh, in chapter uh, one, we learned that James says there should be, uh, we should have a perspective. There is a perspective to our faith that should influence everything that we are seeing, everything that is happening to us, what we see around us. Uh, and, and it starts with trials that come into our life and, and, and those, those trials, those storms of life. What should be our perspective uh, on those things? And, and how does our faith really um, tie into that? And, and, and why is our, how does our faith make a difference when going through that? And then going through just perspective of life, as you go through that chapter of chapter number one, James really uh, focuses on that. In chapter two, it's really the practice of our faith. We, we learn that uh, our works do matter. Uh, our works don't save us, but our works do matter. There ought to be something in our faith that is reflected in what we do. All right? Faith... Uh, produces works, all right? Genuine faith produces works. And we learned that in, in chapter two, the practice of our faith. And then in chapter number three, we talked about the power of our faith. And that is seen in what we talk about, right? The tongue. And, and there in chapter three, James really hits this topic of the tongue. And, uh, and the reason he hits it so hard is because uh, that is where we kind of begin to see the power of our faith coming to life. We share our faith with others, with our mouth, with communication, speaking. And that's why James says it's important to understand what you do is important, what you learn in chapter 2. What you say is important. You learn that in chapter 3. Because there's the power of our faith as we share what God has done for us, what God is doing uh, for us. As we share the, the message of the gospel, it's the power of God. And so in chapter 3, we, we, we learned about the power of our faith in a practical way. There in, in chapter 4, we began to, to study about the passion of our faith. We, we learned that uh, there are wrong passions in life, and if we're not careful, uh, we can begin to follow after wrong passions. And the wrong passions in our life breed conflict. And uh, in verse 1 of this chapter, you, you begin to, to see that. James is saying, well, where does wars and fightings come? It, it comes from conflict. And, and that's because you have a wrong passion in your faith. And then he moves on to say there's worldly passions as well. 
And as Christians, our faith, the passion of our faith, of a genuine faith, doesn't lead you to live for the world, but to live differently than the world. To not love what the world loves, but to love what God loves. And so uh, trying to understand what a worldly passion looks like, James kind of explains that and says, that's not the passion that you should have. Genuine faith won't lead you to have a passion for this world. And then we learn the next few verses after that, that a genuine faith that has real passion will will lead you to love others. And in verse 11 and 12, we learned about what it means to be really love others. And, And James really gave it in a practical way that our faith leads us to that. This morning, we're going to finish the chapter and we're going to learn about a selfish passion. As James is kind of, um, I guess his format of teaching is, we've talked about this before, he'll give you the positive and the negative, and then he'll kind of jump around between positive and negative. So uh, last week it was positive, a passion for loving others. This week he's going to give us what the negative is on a selfish passion and, and how we are to overcome that, how our faith in a practical way should not live selfishly, but selflessly. So let's look in verse number 13. We're going to read from verse 13 to verse number 17. And I I want you to see as he talks a little bit about what a selfish passion is and then how we're going to overcome it. He says this, he says, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. A selfish passion. What is a selfish passion? Because... As people, one of the characteristics that really uh, can characterize us or describe us is that we are selfish. Uh, We have naturally, from the moment we're born, a passion for self, to want what we want, to do what we want to do. In the nursery, anyone that's taken care of little kids know that no one teaches the little six-month-old or the the 18-month-old to take a toy away from the other kid that's playing with it. No one teaches a baby to do that. They do it naturally. Why? Because it's our fallen nature. Because that's what sin in us does. It it creates in us a selfish passion. And that's why you have to address a selfish passion. That's why you have to be able to define what is a selfish passion and and, and be able to to understand how do I overcome that? How How do I defeat that strong desire that's in me? the strong emotion that's in me to to only want to live for me and only care about me and only think about me? How how do I change that in my life? Because I know God doesn't want us to live that way. God says we ought to love others. So so how do I overcome that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. James in these verses not only describes a selfish passion, but he's he's going to also give us some some truths that will help us through our faith, through real faith, to overcome that. And by the way, the only way that you overcome selfish passion in your life is real faith. It's not by having a positive outlook on life 
And uh, it's not by uh, having the, 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 the right kind of therapy in life. And, and I'm not against positive thinking. I think you ought to be positive. God has given us a lot to be positive about. I'm not against therapy. I think therapy can, can help in moments of crisis and moments of difficulty. We need the therapy of God's word in our life. Definitely. I'm not, I'm not against that. But if you don't have a real faith, then you'll never live a life free from selfish passions. Now, if you do have a genuine faith, you will battle selfish passions all the time. There won't be a a time in your life where you'll say, oh man, I'm not selfish anymore. (laughs) That used to be, I used to be selfish. I'm not selfish anymore. Listen, we're all going to be battling self, being selfish all of our life, okay? But there is a way to overcome that. And true faith in our life can overcome that selfish passion. And we're going to learn about that this morning. But before we jump right into the notes, let's pray and ask God to bless his word and bless this time of preaching as we study his word together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much this this morning for allowing us to be here in your house. Thank you for allowing us to have your word, that we can hold it in our hands, that we can have it in our language, that we can understand what your word teaches. And so, Father, this morning as we study this these last few verses in this chapter, I I just pray that you would speak to us, that your spirit would illuminate our minds, and not only that we would uh, be understanding of your word, but that by the filling of your spirit, we would see areas in our life where we need to be less selfish and have more of you and more of real faith in our life. Uh, Father, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit as I communicate this message May it be something that would be clear, but something that would speak and challenge us in our life of faith. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Passion. James says a wrong passion brings conflict. A worldly passion brings confusion. A right passion brings communion, loving one another, but a selfish passion. What does a selfish passion do? It'll begin to divide. And I want you to notice there in your notes as we study this of selfish passion that it creates in us a confused mindset. It it creates in us a confused mindset. You see, when a selfish passion is our purpose for living, it leaves us very confused. Now, we're not confused in what we're doing. Okay, let me be clear about that. It's not, I'm not talking about like, oh, that, that guy doesn't know what he's doing uh, when he's driving a car. He's going the wrong way. Not that, not that kind of confusion. Uh, you, you have your plans. You're, you're not confused in that uh, way. But what you're confused about is that you're confused about what really matters and what really doesn't matter. A selfish passion will confuse you in your life and in your mind about what really matters and what really does not matter. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, uh, that a confused mindset from a selfish passion uh, gives you this kind of thinking. It, it, It says, my plans are more important than God's plans. You'll notice in verse 13 that James says, now, uh, you, the, you that have these ideas of saying, hey, we're going to go to such and such city and we're going to do this or that. You're going to make these plans of what you're going to do. James says that there's a confusion here because you'll notice that by saying that, they didn't say if God wants us to do this. They didn't say uh, there's, God's not even mentioned in those phrases at all. It's just simply saying, 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this place and that place. And the mindset in that, to not even take God into account, is to say my plans are more important than God's plans. Yeah, God might want to do something with my life, or God might have something that he wants me to do, but it doesn't matter. I've got my plans. I'm going to this city. I'm going to do this or that. And James addresses that first of all. He says someone with a selfish passion uh, makes plans for themselves and their plans in their mind are more important than God's plans. God is not accounted for at all in what he is doing. He is not accounted at all. God is not accounted at all for where he is going. God is not uh, in account at all of when he's going to be doing this. It's just all about their own plans. He's living with himself in mind and no one else. And we see this in Luke chapter number 12. Jesus spoke about this as well. Uh, Jesus said this in, in Luke chapter 12, verse number 16. He says, and he spake a parable, this is Jesus, unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus said simply, listen, when you start making plans for yourself and giving God out of your life, out of your plans, not taking account of God at all, what you're saying is my plans are more important than God's plans. And it reveals in you that you have a selfish passion. Someone that has nothing and wants nothing to do uh, with God and, and, has nothing, and wants nothing to do with what God wants in their life and God's purpose for their life, I can assure you it's because they have a selfish outlook on life. Because everything points to them. All they care about is them. And so we must ask ourselves constantly, where is God in all the plans that I am making for my life? Is this where God wants me to go? And James says, don't be one that has a selfish passion that all you can think about is where I want to go. I'm going to make these plans, and I'm going to go to this city, I'm going to do this thing. That's a confusion in your mind of what's important. A confused mindset says, my plans are more important than God's. Secondly, it says that the temporary matters more than the eternal. Notice there in verse number 14, whereas, uh, he, he says, whereas ye know not what shall be on the Morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. James says simply, remember that it's temporary. Life is temporary. It's quick. It goes by so fast. I know we've probably said this many times, but the pandemic started in March of 2020 with at least the lockdowns and things. And doesn't that seem like that was like yesterday? Like that's already been a year and a half ago that that's happened. And our world has changed and, and it's already been a year and a half and I just can't believe how fast 
time has gone by. In fact, we're already going to go into the month of October. This is the last Sunday in September. We're going to start October, the last three months of the year, and we're going to be in a totally new year. And it goes by like that. And James says, I hope you realize that life is like a vapor. It's temporary and it goes by quickly. And he says, if you live with a selfish passion, if you live, in other words, with life being all about you, what you're saying is, I don't care about the eternal. All that matters is the temporary. You know how confusing that is? You know how backwards that is? We usually, as parents, try to teach our children, hey, uh, save your money so you can buy what you want to buy. We don't say, just spend your money, who cares? Nothing's going to happen in life. Life's going to be great. You'll never run into anything. Uh, Murphy's Law doesn't apply to you, right? We don't teach them that. We say, no, no, you, you, you got to save, and you, you, you got you to gotta just start doing that because you, you just don't know. It's, it's uncertain, and it's, and it's so quick, and things happen. And we teach them, listen, live for what matters. Live for what matters. You see, when you have a selfish passion in your life, the mindset is, let's live for today. Let's live for the vapor. And you forget there's a whole nother life coming. The Bible says that we all have eternal life. We have eternal life either in heaven or you're going to have an eternal life in a place called hell. But we don't cease to exist after the vapor is done. We're just here for a moment. We can read in our books, in our history books, and we do realize that 2,000 years ago, the Roman Empire did this and this and this. And you can go back further a few thousand years before that, and you'll find that the Greeks and the Babylonians did this and this. And, and we look at it right now, and we go, man, that was so long ago. I mean, thousands of years. But the people that lived in that empire and did those things... They felt like we feel today. They thought they were going to live forever. This empire is going to last forever. If history teaches us anything, it's that nothing lasts forever. And that life is so quick. And that's why it's so important. Live for the eternal, not the temporary. Don't live for the vapor. James is saying, listen, you're making all these plans and you're saying the selfish person says my plans are more important than God. And not only that, hey, this vapor is so important. It's more important than what's eternal. It's more important than what happens next. So how can you think that? Because it's all about you. That's why. Because a selfish passion creates in us a confused mindset about really what matters and what doesn't matter. We find in Hebrews chapter number 11, that Moses had that opportunity. Moses had an opportunity to live for the vapor, for the temporary. But it says this about Moses. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. In other words, he said, I'm not going to live for the temporary, I'm going to live for the eternal. Moses lived 
thousands of years before James, but there's something that Moses understood in life. He understood life's just a vapor. What's Egypt offering him? Position, power, money, luxury, pleasure, life. But we would say, man, that is the life. That's what Egypt was offering him. But Moses didn't live for that. He didn't live for the temporary. He lived for the eternal. Man, we're going to battle that selfish passion. That selfish passion is going to try to confuse us about what really matters. Can I say something? Don't sacrifice the eternal for the temporary. Don't sacrifice the eternal for the temporary. Listen, God has blessed each and every one of us here. He's blessed us with a job and with some money. Be sure you use that temporary thing of money. Invest it in something eternal. So many times our world, you know what? Instead of living for eternal things, they live for temporary things. Now, of those that have no genuine faith, that's not really surprising. But for those that have genuine faith, those that call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, that is surprising. It's surprising when a Christian lives for the temporary, the temporal and not for the eternal. So well, how would you describe a Christian that's living for the temporary instead of living for the eternal? I would describe him as a self-loving Christian. As someone that has passion, but it's a selfish passion. And they're living for what doesn't really matter. So why are they living that way? They're confused. Because selfishness confuses us that way. That's why the devil wants you to love yourself, because the devil loves himself. You see, the devil offers you, one, what is not his, he offers you this world even though he created none of it and he bought none of it and he owns none of it. Yet, he'll offer you all that the world, he says, is what I have to offer you. And sometimes you might think, wow, the devil's so nice. Look what he's offering me. Look. The devil's so selfish, he's not offering you nothing but destruction and misery. And all he can offer you is something temporary that doesn't really matter. And James says, don't fall for that. Don't fall in love with the temporary. Why? Because life's just a vapor. It's here for a second and then it's gone. Live for the eternal. A selfish passion confuses us in our mind to think that our plans are more important than God's. That the temporary matters more than the eternal. It confuses us so much that we might say that my work matters more than God's work. You look at verse number 13. They're going into that city with this plan. And they says, and you're going to continue there and buy and sell and get gain. What's he talking about? Your work that you're going to do in that city. He says, you're, you're going to go in there. You're going to have all this work. And you're going to think, yeah, th this, is, this is important. This matters. Look at what I have done. Nebuchadnezzar did that. Shortly after, he was living like an animal. But he did that. Look at my work. Look what I've created. And he isn't the only one that's had that kind of thought. 
I wish I could say only Nebuchadnezzar, that king, and, and before he was saved and, 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 and in his na- uh, fallen nature, he, he was like that. And man, what a terrible guy. But you know, I look at Nebuchadnezzar and I say, you know what? I've been there. Look what I've done. I've said that. There's times in life where instead of battling against selfish passion, I've let selfish passion rule my life. I start to think that my work matters more than God's work. And suddenly, when you're ruled by that, then sacrifices for your work are made, but sacrifices for God's work are not. In other words, suddenly it's important to be here because that's my job. My job's requiring me to do this and be there and and have this kind of commitment. Then you say, what about your commitment to church and God's work? Well, if I have time, maybe. Well, if they give me off, maybe. And then we say, well, we've got tournaments this week. Oh, well, we've got a commitment this week on this or that. And you say, well, what's more important? Is our work that much more important than God's work? Let me tell you, our country is where it's at today because there's more people in our country that think their work is much more important than God's work. Churches are closing by the thousands. And I I don't remember the last statistic, but it was like 3,000. And over the pandemic, I'm still waiting to see what the statistics are going to be. But before the pandemic, I want to say it was like 5,000 a year churches were closing. Why are they closing at that rate here in America? Because more people are choosing their work and saying, that work is more important than God's work. Because they're confused in their mind. Because they're living by a selfish passion. James says, listen, don't get to a point in your life where you're saying my work matters more than God's work. By the way, I'm not against work. I put two verses there for you. God's not against work. God says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you ought to invest your money. and you ought, to, you, ought to, you ought to be wise with what God gives you. Listen, I'm not against work and I'm not against uh, uh, being committed to something and, and, and helping out. And I'm not against all of that. But when you sacrifice God's work for everything else, then there's something wrong there. And you say, Pastor, can you do both? Yeah, you can do both. God wants us to do both. God wants us to love the the poor and care for those that are in need. He wants us to do that. God wants us to take time with our family. Uh, You you ought to have time where you just spend with them and and go to a ball game or or go and, and, and visit a city and just hang out. You ought to do that. God wants you to do that. But God doesn't want you to drop everything of his and only live for yours. You can do both. When you have a selfish passion, 
it leads to a confused mindset of what really matters and what really doesn't matter. It leads you to think that your plans are more important than God's. It leads you to believe that the temporary really matters more than the eternal. It leads you to believe that my work is more important than God's work. So then what does James say? What are we to do then? Well, I want you to see how he now gives us a correct mindset. A confused mindset comes from a selfish passion, but when you have a true passion in your faith, a real love for God and the things of God and the work of God, look at what the correct mindset does. Now, I'm going to start in verse number 14 where he says, life is a vapor. A correct mindset from a right passion in our faith leads us, first of all, to understand that life is short. Life is short. That vapor teaches us that it is temporary. We don't have a whole lot of time to do what God has called us to do. And let me just say, God has called all of us to do something. Some of you in this room, God is saying, I need you to, to teach a class. You say, I'm not ready. That's okay. I'm not asking you to do it tomorrow, but maybe like in three months. Maybe like in six months. But you need to start preparing. Start reading your Bible. Start, start getting familiar with what some of the stories in the Bible are and what God is teaching you. Start, start doing that. Start taking time in prayer and saying, God, listen, if, if you want me to teach a class, I'll do that. Some of you, God's work for you is to be someone that's greeting there in the lobby or being here in, as an usher, giving people notes, here's a message, and I'm so glad you're here. And that's the work that God's called you to. Some God's given you abilities and talents to, to keep up with the maintenance of God's house. And God is saying, listen, I... I've, I've, I've equipped you to do this. I think it was so encouraging. Uh, we're, we're still obviously in, in much of the construction of the new building, but I thought it was so encouraging that, that Brother Larry, already retired, been retired, but he heard that we needed to tear down some two-by-fours, we're going to put a wall, and then we changed the design, and we had to tear some things down there. Brother Larry said, yeah, I'll come. Absolutely. Now, he didn't have to come. He's retired. He could just take it easy. But you know what it shows? That what's God's work is more important than just his work. That the eternal is better than the temporary. He's understanding that life is short. And what God has called you to do, you have a short time to get it done. Tony Evans, Pastor Tony Evans from Dallas, uh, he, he says this about this verse. He says, you know, you can't tell how old you are by the years that you have lived. He said, there are people that are old in this uh, room, he said, that are very young. And there are some that are very young that are actually pretty old. He said, I mean this. He says, if God has given you to age 35 and you're 30 years old, you're old. You got five years left. He said, if you're 45 years old, but God's going to allow you to live to 90, you're relatively young. You're not even about halfway there. He said, but since we don't know when 
the day that we're going to die is, you just got to be ready at all times. You got to understand that the work that God's called you to, he's given you just a small amount of time to get it done in. Because it's a vapor. A correct mindset understands that life is short. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, verse 15, As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth, for the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. Life is quick. Life is quick. Secondly, a correct mindset teaches you that life is all about God. Verse number 15, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this, or that if the Lord, the Lord will. See, the opposite of selfish is to be sharing, right? It's to live for others or have an outlook of others, not me. Selfish is an inward focus. Sharing is an outward focus. So, James is saying, it's all about God. When you have a right passion in your faith, Life will be all about God for you. Now, that does not mean that you're going to be in church every day of the week for 24 hours a day. You need to go home and shower and go to work. And, but you know what? You can go home and shower and go to work and still live for God and have a passion for God. And you could understand that in all of that, you're still living life all about God. All about God. You can pray with somebody at work. You can, you can tell somebody at work that you're, you, you care about them. You, you can see what their needs are and you can say, man, uh, they, they need this and I'm going to try to provide that for them. You, you, might, you might see that they're going to be you know, sick for a while and you might go and get them a gift card and say, hey, uh, y'all don't need to be cooking. Why don't you, here, here, here's $50. Go in and, and throughout the week just buy what you need. And you can meet that need at work because you're living life all about God. And you don't have this selfish focus and this passion about you, but you have a passion and a love for others. That's, that's what James is saying. You ought to say, if the Lord will. It's not really my plan. See, God's plans are more important than my plans. Someone has said it this way, man proposes, but God disposes. So I might have this plan, but God might say, well, that's not with my plan, so let's just do my plan. And sometimes God throws a wrench in our plans just to remind us of the fact that his plan is probably better than ours. A corrected mindset says life is all about God. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 42, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, said that. He said, Father, as he prayed, let thy will be done, not mine. If it if he could, he said, I, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to suffer, but not my plan, thine. Because Jesus, our ultimate example, our Savior, understood that life is all about God. He's impacted our world more than any other human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. And he was 100% human. Yeah, he was 100% God. He's 100% human. Never wrote a book never conquered a city, never built an empire. 
and he turned our world upside down. How? Because life was all about God for him. Because he said, Father, thy will be done, not mine. That's a correct mindset. It's, it's a real faith that will change your life. It's something that's practical that you can live every day. We find that a correct mindset says life is short. Life is all, all about God. And in verse 16, you find that selfishness leads to pride. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. The word boastings here is the Greek word alazonia. And alazonia it's only used twice in the New Testament. Here it's translated boastings, but it's also used in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 16, where it says, love not the world, many things are in the world. First, the loss of the eyes and the pride of life, that's the word alazonia, pride of life. It can be translated the pride of life. A selfish passion makes us prideful. A correct mindset understands I don't want to live with a selfish passion because it makes me prideful. So James says don't live that way. Understand that selfishness leads to pride. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring. Don't, don't be saying, hey, it's all about me. Life's all about me. No, it's all about God. Because when it's all about you, it just breeds pride in your life. And pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You let pride take a hold of you and it'll knock you down before you know it. So, how do we control this then? How do we overcome the selfish passions? Now we know what it is. And we know what the correct mindset ought to be. So how, how do you overcome it? I want you to notice lastly this morning the controlling mindset. The last verse, verse number 17, very simple. He says this, Therefore then, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. How do we overcome that selfish passion? How do we have a controlling mindset? Number one, know what is good in life. Know what is good in life. The word know here is the Greek word ido. E-I-D-O, ido. And, and this word, it's, it's used a lot of times in the New Testament. And it's translated most of the time as seen or saw. In fact, the first time you'll find it in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 2 with the wise men. And they said, we have seen his star. It's that word, Ido. It's the word that, that is translated here of knowing. Certainly, to, to have some certainty in what I am saying and what I am talking about. Right? Well, when something happens, we say, were you there? Did you see it? Did you witness it? Why? Because then you would know. If you saw it, you would know. That's, that's, that's the word. I don't know. Know what is good to him that knoweth to do good. Know what is good in life. From what? From what you see in God's word. The disciples said, uh, we can't help but share and say what we have seen and what we have heard. It's the same word, by the way, I don't, when they said that. You know what a real genuine faith does? It says, I can't help but say what I've seen and what I've heard. I know that this is good. I know that I should live for this. 
I know that life is all about God. I know life is short. I know I don't want to live with a selfish kind of mentality because that's just going to breed pride and bring destruction in my life. I know that. Know what is good. I know God, uh, God's work is important and ought to be a priority in my life. That's good. You ought to know that. Know what is good. But not only knowing what is good in life, do what is good in life. He says, know, therefore he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. So you got to do what is good. But I love the way that James phrases this. <laughs> he, he, um, he puts it, those that know to do good and then that doeth it not, to them it is sin. He's saying it's not just enough to know that do good and do good, but the good that you don't do, that's actually sin for you. Sometimes we think of sin as something that we're doing bad, right? Like, oh, you're fighting with this person. Oh, uh, uh, you're disobeying God. Okay, you're sinning. And we think of sin as something bad that we're doing. But here's what James says. He says, the, the good that you know to do and you're not doing, that's also sin. Yeah, but I'm not doing bad. Yeah, but you're not doing good either. In other words, hey, life is all about God, but I'm living for myself. That's sin. Yeah, but I'm not harming anybody. I'm not stealing from anybody. I'm not lying. I'm not gossiping. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. But he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. It's more than just not doing bad in my life. It's the fact that anytime I'm not doing the good that I ought to do, the good that I know I should do. Why? And, and it's very simple. Listen, because if you don't, before you'll know it, you'll develop a selfish passion in your life. That's why you got to challenge yourself. I got to do this good. That's why you got you to kind of challenge yourself. I got to be there. I got to sacrifice for that. I, I, I got to give my all to that. Why? Because if I don't, I know that's, that's the right thing to do. And if I don't, man, I'm going to start looking inward. I'm going to start getting selfish. And my passion for God is going to start dying. And the passion for myself is starting to get hot. And James says, don't do that. Don't do that. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right till the stars fall. Just do right. That's, that's the way that you're going to control that, that passion. Yeah, it's never going to go away. No, it ain't. You're going to be battling a selfish passion the rest of your life. But James says, but you can overcome it. How? Knowing what is right, knowing what is good, doing what is good. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do Good, and do not to him, it is sin. Jesus said it this way. Put it in your notes. John 13, verse 17. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. So here's the challenge this morning. Here's the truth to think about this morning. The passion of our faith ought to lead us to think right and plan right in our life. It ought to lead us to have a greater passion for God and not for ourselves. So we got to ask ourselves, 
as we look at our life, am I living selfishly or not? Can I ask you this morning, where is your passion? Now you might say, no, listen, pastor, my passion is for God. My passion is to do what God wants. And I'd say, that's awesome. How did it look this last week? What did you do to reflect that passion? Because let me tell you something. With NFL season starting, if you're a Cowboy fan and you've been around me at any time that the game's going on, usually, you'll see my passion. You'll hear me say something about the Cowboys and how they need to get that first down. You might even see me wear a shirt that says Cowboys or a hat that says Cowboys. Because with the passion, you're, gonna, you're just going to see it. So I ask again, where's your passion in your life? If it really is a faith that has a passion for God, are we showing it? Better yet, listen, whatever happened last week, happened. It's vapor. It's gone. This week, though. This week. Let's live with a passion It's a passion of our faith that's for God. You can do it at work this week. Find somebody. Share somebody what God has done for you. Share that passion. We can do that this week. Just one person. Let's live a passion that's not selfish, but a passion of true love for our God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. All this thing of passion, Father, how, how it can deceive us so many times. I know I've fallen in my life many times. I've fallen in love with me. And all that matters is me. And Father, how not only destructive that has been in my own life, but but Father, how, how sad. It's not been times of joy in my life that I've experienced through selfishness, but rather through selflessness. No, the joy in life has been in loving you and loving others. Now, what a challenge that is. I, I pray that our faith, our faith would breed in us a passion that would not be quenched by our own desires and our own pleasures. Oh, no, that that a love for you and what you call important and a love for why you've given us even life to breathe and to keep living, that a passion of our faith would lead us to live for you and only you. And so I pray that this morning we wouldn't live for ourselves, but that this week, it would be all about you. Whether we're at work, whether we're with our family, whether we're with friends, no matter where we are or what we're doing, oh, may it all be about you and for you, I pray. Help us to do that this week. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.